0: This morning, uh, we are excited because we're going to wrap up our series entitled Christmas Prayers, and uh, we're not going to stop praying, somebody, right? Come on, say amen. We're not going to stop praying. We're just going to move on to something new, but we're going to wrap up today because I'm really excited about what we've been talking about. So we've spent the last four weeks talking about how do we move from a wish list mentality uh, into a life of prayer where we begin to pray the change that we desire to see. And I love that little phrase, pray the change that we desire to see, because it says something about us. It says, number one, we're not spectators, we are participators that God has a place, and we have a place in this story that God is telling, and we have a part to play in what God is doing. And our prayers are a vital part of how God works in us and how God works through us to accomplish His will. And I just want to remind you as we kind of dive into this last week's message that the purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what we want Him to do, amen? That's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to get in a place of intimate communion with God, so that His will can be accomplished through our lives and through our prayers. That our prayers would actually become a catalyst of change that would accomplish the will of God, the purpose of God, and the Word of God in our lives. So let's just recap a couple things this morning. We said, What are Christmas prayers? We said, Christmas prayers are prayers that are scripted from the story of Christmas, and we've been looking at different elements of the Christmas story and pulling out principles of prayer that we've been applying to our prayer life. We said literally the scripture becomes the script of our prayer. So let's look today in Luke chapter 6, excuse me, Luke chapter 2, 1 through 7, and we're going to reread today the Christmas story, at least a part of it this morning. The Bible says, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all returned to their own ancestral town to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. How many of you thankful for Jesus today? Anybody thankful for the gift of God through Jesus Christ? Well, we've looked at a couple things. We said Christmas prayers are prophetic prayers, right? We said Christmas prayers are prophetic prayers. They declare identity over activity. They call those things that do not exist as though they did. They create your desired future. They build up encourage, and comfort. And we just recognize that the Bible says that they called him Jesus, the name given to him by the angel before he was even born. And literally, Mary and Joseph prophesied. They declared who he was before he had done anything. Amen? And we recognize the importance of prophetic prayers, that if we're going to begin to pray effectively for people, we've got to begin to call out and call them up to who God has called them to be, right? We've got to identify them in Christ instead of rehearsing their activity. We declare their new identity in Jesus Christ. Because the difference between encouraging prayer and discouraging prayer is how you approach that thought because if you spend all your prayer time telling God how bad it is and how difficult they are and how challenging it is and how deep in debt you are and how nothing's ever going to change and nothing ever works out for your good and you're still sick and you're still discouraged and you're still depressed if you spend your whole prayer time rehearsing activity you're going to leave your prayer time discouraged disheartened and overwhelmed and it's no wonder if you pray those kind of prayers that you don't want to (laughs) pray But when you flip the script on that story and you begin to declare identity over activity... And you begin to call out and call into existence those things that are not as though they were. And you begin to label people, not with the labels of the world, but with the identity of Christ. And you begin to call them healed and delivered and redeemed and rescued. And you begin to declare that you're blessed, that you're strong, that you're well able, that you are more than enough because the greater one lives on the inside of you. All of a sudden, there is a life-giving element that happens in that time of prayer that energizes you and enables you to continue to press in and decree and declare, what God says over your life. Amen? The second element, we said that Christmas prayers are prayers of praise. We said praise reminds us of who He is and what He has done. It invites His presence. It releases the spirit of prophecy. Praise eradicates fear, cultivates faith, and produces corresponding action. And I made this little simple statement. I said if you want to energize your prayer life, begin your prayer life with praise. There's something powerful about putting on some praise and worship music to pray. I love praise and worship music, and when I'm going to spend time in prayer, especially extended times of prayer, I'm going to put the praise and worship music on why? Because God inhabits the praises of His people. And when you start praising Him for what He has done, all of a sudden it releases faith for what He's going to do. And God's presence eradicates fear, it releases faith, and it produces, as we talked about, that corresponding action that now moves you to become a part of the solution that you're praying for. And we recognize that the one thing that God needs to work in your life, and the one thing that God needs to work in your family, and the one thing that God needs to work in your finances, and the one thing that God needs to work in our church and our community is a willing vessel. God just needs somebody that he can work through to accomplish his will. And guess what? If you care about it, you'll pray about it. And if you're praying about it, then you're the person God wants to use to make a difference in the area that you're praying about. Amen? And so when I invite his presence through praise, it eradicates fear, it cultivates faith, and it moves me to a place of corresponding action. Now, the next point is we said that Christmas prayers are persistent prayers, right? And Pastor Rick filled in. I heard he did a great comedy job last week. Did y'all laugh a lot? I heard he did a really good job. So I, I'm probably not going to be as funny as Pastor Rick today. But uh, anyway, how many of y'all love Pastor Rick? Come on, let's give the Lord a great big round of applause for Pastor Rick. So Christmas prayers are persistent prayers. Persistent prayers are faith-filled prayers that see the end of a thing. God declares the promise, not the process. We said persistence empowers us to press through the process and obtain the promise. Every time you read a promise of God or a prophecy in Scripture given by God, God always declares the end. God never declares the beginning. God never declares the middle. God always declares the end of a thing, and that is the promise of God. And so when God makes a promise, God is declaring the end of what it's going to look like. And so what we have to do is we have to persist in prayer. And we talked about last week how that persistence is really one of the greatest keys to life-changing prayer because it's persistence that keeps you in the game. Right. If you don't persist in prayer, then you're going to move out of a place of faith, you're going to move out of a place of hope, you're going to move out of a place of intimacy with God, and you're ultimately going to disconnect yourself from the very thing you need more than anything, and that is that intimate, personal relationship with God that produces fruit and brings life change. And so it's persistence that keeps us in the process. And here's the challenge, right? We said the challenge with persistence prayer is that many times we want to help God. Anybody in here been guilty of that? I mean, I am guilty. I want to help God. And this is what I recognize about myself. It's not that I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I actually want to do what God wants me to do. I just want to get there quicker than God's taken me. Right? I want to do what he wants me to do. I just don't like the process he's got me in because, Lord, this is slow and this is long and it's kind of uncomfortable and it's not working as fast as I thought it was going to work. And so, Lord, I've got an idea. (laughs) And, boy, I've had some doozies over the years. I've had some great ideas. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit said this to me last week. He said, Keith, he said, do you realize every time every time you take a detour, every time you get out of the process and try to shortcut the process to get to the promise, every time you take a detour, you delay the process. And you push the promise further out in front of you. You delay the process and you push the promise even further out. Out in front of you. Why? Because there is no such thing as a shortcut with God. There are no shortcuts with God. Amen? He is perfect, which means He's never early and He's never late. He's always just on time. Amen? I don't really like that about Him. I wish He would be early, (laughs) but He's perfect. And if you're perfect, you're never early. And if you're perfect, you're never late. If you're perfect, you're always just in time. And how many know we serve a just in time God? He's always just in time, the perfect time. And so it's persistence in prayer that keeps us in the process that allows us to obtain the promise. Now, look at our next point today. So, Christmas prayers are inspired prayers. The word inspired in the the Greek, specifically in the New Testament, literally means God breathed. It means to have the breath and the life of God. And so Christmas prayers are inspired prayers. They are prayers that are literally birthed by the word of God. I want you to think about the Christmas story. And every key character in the Christmas story had one thing in common. Think about it. Mary had a word from God. You remember the angel came to her and gave her a word. Joseph had a word from God. You remember the angel came to him and gave him a word. And the Bible says the wise men, they even had a word from God. They had a prophecy about the Messiah, where he would be born, when he would be born, and that a star would be seen that would lead them to the coming Messiah. The shepherds had a word from God because the angel spoke to them. Anna had a word from God, the prophetess in the temple. Simon, the righteous man, had a word from God that caused him to persist in faith until he would see the Savior come. And this is what I want you to recognize. I want you to recognize that inspired prayers are prayers that are birthed by the word of God God's word brings inspiration it releases the breath of God into our lives so we can pray amen so look with me in 2nd Timothy I want you to see this great scripture 2nd Timothy 3 the apostle Paul says you have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive that the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus and all scripture, I want you to just take that word scripture and just kind of put the, the phrase, all are, are the word of God. So scripture is the word of God. So all scripture, all of God's words are inspired by God. I mean, you know God doesn't speak for the sake of speaking? Every word that God speaks, he releases his breath. It is the breath of God that brings the life of God. It was the word of God that spoke the world into existence. Remember Genesis chapter 1? In the beginning, God said, God said, God said, God said, God said, God said. And every time God speaks, something happens, amen? And all scripture, all words from God are inspired by God. Look what the scripture says. And is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So the Word of God brings correction. It brings direction. It brings instruction. But look at verse 17. And God uses it. What does He use? The Word, the Scripture, the inspired Word of God. God uses the Word to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. God uses His Word to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Everything that God wants to do in you and through you, God does through the inspiration of the word of God It is his inspired word that prepares us It is his inspired word that equips us to do the things that God has called us to do So think about it God's word inspires us to pray Now I want you to think about three expressions of the word of God There's the written word We call it the B-I-B-L-E, right? Yes, that's the book for me The Bible, there's the written word. And I don't know about you. Let me just encourage you in something. I'm convinced that many Christians struggle in prayer because they are not in the word of God. Trying to pray without the word is is like trying to swim without water. It's really difficult because... Every word from God, all scripture is inspired. It is the breath of God. It is the life of God. And God's word, the Bible says, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And what we begin to recognize is we begin to recognize that it is the word of God that inspires us to pray. It is the word of God that brings the breath of life, inspiration that moves us to action. And if you think about it for just a minute, of all the great things that have been done in our world, whether it be in the science realm, in the technological realm, in the business realm, or in the Christian realm. All the great things that have ever been done in our world have been done by people that were inspired to do great things. There was an inspiration. There was a breath of life. There was something unseen, untouched, and untangible that drove them to do the things that they did. And I want you to understand, it is the inspiration of the Word of God by the Holy Spirit that moves us to a place of life-giving, life-changing, life-altering prayer and intercession and life in Christ. And when you think about reading the Bible... See, when I read the scripture and I read in the Old Testament where David said, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And then I flip over the New Testament. I read where where, where Paul said that my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And then I read where Paul and Corinthians said that Jesus became poor that we might be rich. All of a sudden I read those scriptures and you know what they do? They inspire me to take my needs to God, that God wants to meet my needs. If I'm young, if I'm old, God will never forsake me. God will never abandon me. And God will meet my every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And all of a sudden the written word inspires us to pray. When I read where the Bible says, and by his stripes we are healed. And Exodus says that he blessed their bread and their water and he took all sickness and all disease away from them. And I read where God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and that there was no sick and there was no feeble among them. And then I read where the Bible says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the enemy. And all of a sudden it inspires me. To pray and believe God for healing in my body and in the hearts and lives of the people that I care about. Because the Word of God is inspired. It is the breath of God. And if you're struggling in your prayer life, it's probably because you're struggling in hearing from the Word of God. Getting in the Word, the Word, the written Word brings inspiration to our prayers. And then then there's also the spoken Word. And you just think about the spoken word for a second and how many times God brings inspiration by the Holy Spirit through the spoken word. Maybe it's a sermon you heard. Maybe it's a message you heard. Maybe it's a song you sung. I shared with you a couple weeks ago how that when I was at one of my lowest points in my life and Kelly was battling suicidal thoughts and I was driving down the road on my job, how that, how that I remembered the Lord reminded me of a sermon I heard and the preacher made this statement. He said, when you don't know what to do, just praise God anyway. And I talked about how, that, how that, that, that word that I'd heard, that spoken word, it inspired me. And I just began to lift my hands. And I talked about how God climbed in the cab of that truck. And heaven came to earth that day. Because I was inspired by a word that was spoken. How, many, how much inspiration, think about it, is in the songs that we sing. I mean, just the Christmas carols. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore him. And God has this filter in heaven that makes that sound beautiful. <laughs> Y'all just thought filters were for your phone. God's got one. <laughs> and you just sing that song, and it inspires you. You want to praise him. You want to worship him. You want to adore him. You want to lift his name on high. Yeah. And I just think back. You know, I, I grew up in Baptist church, and I pastored a little Methodist church. My favorite song was number 92 in the Red Book. Samantha's shaking her head over here. Victory in Jesus. Just fire me up. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. that saved a wretch like me. Then you move into I'm going to raise a hallelujah. He's a way maker. My all-time favorite, Jesus lover of my soul, it just ministers to me. The spoken word inspires us. Because those, those, those lyrics have roots in the scripture. They have roots in the scripture. And all of a sudden, they bring an inspiration that moves us and inspires us. And, and then I was thinking about not only is there the written word and the spoken word, but then there's the quickened word by the Holy Spirit. I, I'm glad God speaks through the Bible, and I'm glad God speaks through other people, through lyrics and sermons and other people that encourage us. But you know what? I am so thankful for the quickened word of God. I'm so thankful that God speaks by the Holy Spirit. And then I hear his voice. And he said, my sheep know me and they hear my voice and they follow me. And the voice of a stranger they'll not follow. And every time you hear the word of God. If you remember last week, Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk said, I'm going to climb the watchtower. And Habakkuk said, I'm going to wait. Listen to this. I love this phrase. He says, I'm going to wait to see what the Lord will say to me. I'm going to wait. To see what the Lord will say. Now, how many know you can't see words that are spoken? But what Habakkuk was doing was giving us a revelation and an insight because, see, in the Old Testament, the prophets were the people that heard from God, but they weren't called hearers. You know what prophets were called in the Old Testament? They were called seers. They could see because they could hear. See, in the natural, we say, if I see it, I'll believe it. But in the spiritual, if you hear it, you can see it. See, when you hear what God says, you can see what God sees. When you hear what God says, you can see what God sees. You hear 1 Peter that says, by his stripes we are healed. You hear Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And when you hear it, by the quickening of the Holy Spirit, you begin to see your body whole. You begin to see people healed. You see yourself laying hands on people and the sick getting up and the dead starting to walk. Because when you hear it, you see it. So I will watch to see what the Lord will say to me. And I am convinced that the key to effective prayer, let me just tell you something. Some of my greatest times of prayer, I never said a word. Some of my greatest times of prayer, I never said one word. Because remember, prayer is not me getting God to do what I want Him to do. Prayer is me getting in a place, it's really getting in a place, hear this, of intimacy with God. So that I hear what He He says, so that I can then see what He sees. See, if you lack vision in prayer, it's because you're probably not hearing what God is saying. Because when you hear what he says, you'll see what he has in store for you. And Habakkuk said, I will wait to see what he will say to me. And then I will write the vision and make it plain. So Christmas prayers are inspired prayers. They are prayers that are birthed by the word of God. Look at that next point. Inspired prayers, look at this, are not good ideas. They are God's ideas. Inspired prayers are not good ideas. They are God ideas. Look with me in 2 Peter chapter 1, 20 and 21. The Bible says this, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came by the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. The word initiative literally means personal assessment. So it says, no prophecy in Scripture ever came by the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. Let me tell you one of the greatest challenges we have in our prayer lives. Most of us are praying out of our understanding and our initiative, our own assessment of life. And let me just encourage you in something today. If you are only praying out of your understanding and your own initiative... Your own assessment of life. And how many of y'all know we assess life pretty quickly? Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm real good. I'm going I'm to I'm assess the situation at about the drop of a hat. Right, I walk into a room, I assess the situation. I'm confronted with a problem, I assess the situation. I get bad news, I assess the situation. I get a text message I didn't want to get or see a Facebook post I wish I hadn't ever seen. I assess the situation, and so do you. And you know how I know we assess the situation, and you know how I know that we pray out of our initiative instead of out of inspiration and revelation? Because we go to God in prayer, and we give Him instruction. If you're telling God how to fix your problem, you're praying out of your own understanding and you're praying out of your own initiative. You have already assessed the situation and you have charted a path and you have already decided what God needs to do to remedy your problem. And then your prayer life becomes you telling God what to do. Instead of you coming before the Lord to receive instruction, correction, direction for what he wants to do in you and through you to accomplish his good pleasure for your life. So instead of praying out of understanding and initiative, because if that's how you pray, hear me, I want you to just hear me. If you're praying out of understanding and initiative and I'm guilty, you're praying too shallow of a prayer. Your prayer is too shallow. Why is it too shallow? Because you have limited understanding and you have a limited ability to assess the situation. You're not seeing the whole picture. You're just seeing what's in front of you. You're seeing what's slapping you in the face. You're seeing what's causing you pain. But you're not seeing the big picture. You're not looking at an eternal perspective from what God is trying to accomplish and what God is trying to do. And the Holy Spirit said this to me this past week. He said, Keith, do you realize that I will do some things in your life today that I'm not going to manifest until five generations after you? Your children's 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 children are going to walk in the fullness of what I'm doing in your life today. So don't resist me because you don't understand it. Follow me because I'm working it for your good. And that's so good. So we got to move to a place where we begin to pray not out of understanding, initiative, but out of inspiration and revelation. Because when you hear what he says, you see what he sees, and then you can begin to pray the promise, the prophecy, the declaration of what God is saying and doing, and it will bring life to the world that you're living in. Amen? Look at that next point. Inspired prayers are not natural, normal, or possible. They are impossible. Inspired prayers are not natural, normal, or possible. They are impossible. Luke chapter 1, through 37. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. He just told her, you're going to have a child. Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Once more, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Not only are we praying shallow prayers, we're praying small prayers. The Holy Spirit said this to me, he said, Keith, he said, if what you're praying about is possible, then stop praying about it and go do it. See, a lot of us are asking God to do things that only we can do. Now we can ask God to help us do the things only we can do. But most of us are asking God to do things that are possible When in reality, they just require discipline and commitment on our part to make them a reality. And the Lord said to me, he said, Keith, he said, if you're praying about things that are possible, stop praying about it and start doing it. And until you can pray about something that's bigger than you, then just hold on and pray later. (laughs) Christmas prayers are impossible prayers. When you think about the Christmas story, everything about the Christmas story was impossible. A virgin had a child. Come on, somebody angelic visitations, prophetic words, prophecies being fulfilled, all these crazy things happening in the birth of Jesus Christ and everything about the entire story was impossible. Mary couldn't do it. Joseph couldn't do it. Shepherds couldn't do it. Wise men couldn't do it. uh, Simon couldn't do it. Anna couldn't do it. None of the people in the story could do the things that God wanted to do for them, through them, and in them. It required the supernatural. And God says that's right up my alley. So stop praying possible prayers and start praying impossible prayers. One of the ways you know if you're being if you're praying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is you'll pray crazy things. See, I've been praying for nations. God, give us nations. God, give us the heathen of the earth. God, give us nations for Your glory. And I'm in Arab, Alabama. God, give us nations. I've been praying for a thousand laboring leaders. God, raise up a thousand laboring leaders at Liberty Church. A thousand laboring leaders. A thousand people that are putting their hands to the plow and that will lead other people to Jesus Christ. God, raise up a thousand. I can't do that. But God can. Inspired prayers are impossible prayers. Asking God to do what you can't do and then knowing by faith that he will. And look at this last point because this is really important. Christmas prayers are not a formula for prayer. Prophecy, praise, persistence, and inspiration This is not a formula. This is not A plus B plus C plus D equals E. This is not one plus two plus three plus four equals five. That's not what this is. If you're looking for a formula for prayer, you don't understand prayer. There are patterns of prayer. There are inspirations of prayer. There are models of prayer. But there's no such thing as a formula for prayer. Why? Because prayer is Is about intimacy with God. It's about an intimate place of communion where you hear what He says and you see what He sees so that you can begin to prophesy what He desires to do in the world and in you. It's a place of intimacy. So these four things that we've talked about, prophecy, praise, persistence, and inspiration, these four things are tools. That's all they are. They're just tools in our tool belt that are intended to help cultivate a life of prayer that changes our lives. Think about it for just a second. Prophecy, praise, persistence, and inspiration do not equal intimacy with God. They are things that we use to cultivate an intimate relationship with God. But in and of themselves, they're not intimate. So think about it like this. Any married folks in the house? So if you're married, part of cultivating an intimate relationship with your spouse is that number one, you should communicate and talk. You might even want to hold hands. Kissing's really good, and sex is awesome. Okay? Y'all with me? Man, y'all thought, man, this is getting good. Now you're preaching, Pastor Keith. Those four things are acts of intimacy, but in and of themselves, they're not intimate. You can communicate, never connect. You can hold hands and have no feelings. You can kiss and go through the motions. And you can even have sex for selfish pleasure or perverted means. In and of themselves, those four things are not intimacy. But they are acts of intimacy. Intimacy. That when your heart is right, cultivate a deeper relationship. Prayer, prophecy, praise, persistence, inspiration are acts of intimacy that draw us deeper into a relationship with God. You can do those things and not be intimate. If it becomes religious ritual, it can be dead as dead is dead. But when those acts of intimacy are done out of a heart of love that is pursuing to know God and be known by Him, then they bring life and they deepen your relationship with Him. So let's bow our heads today. In just a moment, we're going to close in a close of prayer and agreement as we agree together over the Christmas prayers you've been praying. But today I want to challenge you, first of all, if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you in this. Are you pursuing God through prayer to be intimate with Him? Or are you pursuing God through prayer to get things from Him? Because your heart determines the difference between an act of worship or an act of intimacy and real intimacy. Acts of intimacy with God produce no lasting fruit. But acts of intimacy that are driven by a true heart of love to know Him produces lasting fruit. So I want to challenge you today. Let's check our hearts. Let's redefine prayer, not as a formula, but as an opportunity to be intimate with Jesus, the lover of our soul. Now, maybe you're here today and maybe you realize you're not a Christian. And you have never entered into a personal relationship with God. Because intimacy is personal. That's what Jesus came to do. He was Emmanuel, God with us. Because Jesus came and died and rose again. So he could restore you into a right relationship with God. So you could know him. And the greatest gift you'll ever receive is the gift of God that comes through His Son, Jesus Christ that brings eternal life and ushers you into an everlasting relationship with God. If you're here today and you've never accepted Him and today you want to receive that gift of eternal life, right where you're at right now, I just want you to stand to your feet all over this building. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. But right now the Holy Spirit is dealing with you and you know right now you have never truly given your life to Christ. And the tragedy of rejecting that gift is that you'll spend eternity separated from God. Not because God doesn't love you and not because Jesus didn't die for you, but simply because you rejected the gift that God gave to His Son. So as people are standing right now, this is your moment. Go ahead and stand. We're about to pray. As you stand to your feet, an usher's going to come. They're going to slip a packet in your hand. Just hold on to that, and I'll tell you what to do in just a minute. But if you need to stand right now, and you want to know Jesus and accept that gift right now, stand to your feet. Let's pray. Let's pray together. If you're standing, I want you to pray with me. I'm going to ask everybody just to repeat after me in the whole congregation. Let's say it out loud together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross. Rose again on the third day. To pay the penalty for my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and my life. And be my Lord and my Savior. I believe. And by faith I receive. The gift. Of an eternal Relationship with you in Jesus' name, amen.